Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey folks, so we are full steam ahead on our Lakers legacy free agency coverage this offseason. Want a well-organized way to keep up with all the random names and contractual minutia that we'll be spitting in the forthcoming episodes? Well, we've created a seven-page mega free agency doc for our Patreon listeners with a comprehensive list of relevant free agents this offseason, categorized by market value, mini MLE, vet minimum, etc., position, and free agency status. Unrestricted free agent, restricted free agent, club option, player option, partially guaranteed, etc., etc., So yeah, we just think it'll be a great accompaniment to our forthcoming free agency episodes where you'll probably be wondering where in our butts we pulled certain names from. So to get that, please go to patreon.com slash thelakerslegacypodcast, donate as little as a buck, and that document is yours. Otherwise, please support us by leaving us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. So with that said, thank you for your support, and now, on with the showtime. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where if you've got a pet and you need a vet to do the most, well, go to the Santa Monica VCA. Now, if you're the Lakers and you're looking for a vet min to do the most, well, listen to this podcast because we're going to try and find that player for you. Hello, Thaddeus Young, if he'll take the veteran minimum. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander, and today we are going to go severe bargain bin shopping with the Lakers veteran minimum exception because outside of the mini Emily, that's all they have to use to fill up half the roster, if not more. Uh, Tommy, quick icebreaker question, but who do you think is the Lakers best veteran minimum signing ever? So let's take Caruso out of the equation because he doesn't count because he was like a camp invite, right? So literally in free agency, we signed a vet minimum guy and he outproduced his contract by eight times or whatever. Um... This is probably recency bias, but I mean, the Dwight signing in 2019 ended up being so big for us. Like, like I said, that dude was like, he came up huge for us in the playoffs going against Jokic, you know, Jokic, who ended up, ended up essentially winning like back-to-back MVPs and, and just the energy and, and defensive grit that he brought, brought to us all throughout that season. I, I, I know from an analytics perspective, he certainly way outperformed his number. Yeah. I'm sure there's like a flashier guy that I'm I'm forgetting. Um, but no, that that's a that's a really good answer. I was gonna say Malik Monk, um, but oh, I yeah, like the yeah. fact that you tacked on the championship aspect to it. But I will say with Malik Monk, if we actually retain him down the line, yes. you know, adding a little bit of foresight to it, he could end up becoming 
seeing how he started with the Lakers as this veteran minimum signing, he could end up becoming the best vet min signing ever. So um, I guess you could also add like Carl Malone to that list. <laughs> but we all know how that season turned out. But yeah, Dwight Howard's a great answer. I think Malik Monk could be in contention as well. So with that said, let's look at our veteran minimum candidates. As we did with the mini MLE, we'll go position by position first. We'll throw out each of our top three candidates per position if we have a top three. And then at the end, give our overall top three regardless of position. Of course, to note with veteran minimums, you can have a multiple number of these guys. So our top three may encapsulate three guys we could all likely get and want. So this isn't necessarily mutually exclusive when we give a top three, uh, but we'll rank them in terms of preference anyway. So let's start with the point guards. The guys who highlight unrestricted free agency are Goran Dragic, 35 years old, DJ Augustine, 34, Ricky Rubio, 31, Austin Rivers, 30, Brandon Goodwin, thir- uh, Brandon Goodwin, 36, Brandon Goodwin, 26, Frank Nilakina, 23, Dennis Smith Jr., 24, And then guys who could get bought out are John Wall, 32, Eric Bledsoe, 32. He's probably going to get waived because he's like $3.9 million partially guaranteed on a $19 million contract on a tanking, maybe tanking Portland team. But yeah, those are my caveats. And uh, yeah, out of this point guard crop of vet minimums, who would you go with? Who's your top three? If you have a top three. Yeah, my top three would probably be I think, like, although this dude annoys me and has always annoyed me, I think he's not a bad player, and he consistently signs for vet men's, and I think he probably deserves more than that. But Austin Rivers, I, he's just, like, he annoys me, okay? And he's affiliated me with too. Doc Rivers, which is also annoying. He's very <laughs> but, affiliated with Doc Rivers. Yeah, somewhat affiliated. Um, but he is, he, I mean, he can hit shots, he can defend, um, he plays with grit, He's just annoying, um, but I, I have to put him up there because he's got good size and he's a solid player. After Austin Rivers, I would s- probably put one of the veteran buyout guys, um, you know, like in other words, John Wall or Bledsoe. I think each of them have potential pros and each of them have potentially large cons. I think in the case of John Wall, the upside is you could get like a dynamic ball handling guard off the bench who you probably wouldn't be able to get normally. The downside is you have no idea what he's going to give you because he hasn't played in a year and he might be washed, especially on the defensive side. And then Bledsoe's similar. It's like he can give you, you know, you're going to get a pretty elite defensive player, but beyond that, you're probably not going to get that much. Um, and the number three, I would probably go with Aaron Holiday. Um, I've always kind of liked Aaron Holiday's game. I, I, the Holiday brothers are all sort of solid. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that you know I w- I would be interested in him. Um, I haven't followed Ty- that's my top three, but I will say I haven't followed like Tyrell Terry, um, who I think was one guy that we were looking at a lot. I, he was out of Stanford, right? And he ended up yeah. going like first in the second round. And- the next Trey Young, <laughs> exactly. I well, he clearly didn't live up to that. But I will say it's like you know it is the case that Dallas has been competitive since they drafted him and. You know, if if he wasn't ready right away, maybe he just sort of slipped out of you know favor there quickly. But he was very very highly regarded. He was, I mean, he he was taken thirty one. I think people thought that was a steal because he was projected to go first round in that draft. Um, so if we're looking for like a high upside pick or certainly a, at least somebody to invite to camp, I would I would look at somebody like him. And why not? Right, he's only twenty two years old, or he's going to be twenty two next season. He played with the Memphis Hustle 
for the past two years. Uh, if you look at his stats in the Memphis hustle, they are very bad. He only shot 26% from three this past season, hitting 1.1 a game. And then he shot 34% last season, hitting 1.5 a game. So I'm not sure what's happening with Tyrell Terry's uh, three-point shooting because he was a 41% three-point shooter in college. But yeah. given that he's only going to be 22 Maybe there's still some development and growth to be had there because he is pretty small. He is slight in frame. And correction, maybe he's not the next Trey Young. I think he was deemed more as the next Seth Curry. And I think Seth Curry's progression and development in the league came a little slow as well. But anyways, I'd still give, you know, Tyrell Terry a camp invite at this point. And then as it pertains to my actual top three in this category, even though it's likely he stays with his current team, I'd put... Goran Dragic, number one. He put up 18 points, 14 points, 10 points in the playoffs in limited minutes. Especially when we lose Westbrook, we'll probably want a veteran presence coming off the bench, and I think Goran can be that and can start in a pinch if need be. Uh, Number two, I put Dennis Smith Jr. Maybe this is just me going totally insane. I, I still am intrigued by the upside. And he actually showed some flashes with Portland this year. He had a 21-point, 6-assist, 3-steal game with the Blazers in December. And overall, with Dennis Smith Jr., the thing with him is he's just still very, very athletic. And if you can have that sort of spark plug, dynamic player off the bench who can still yam it down for you and playmake in a pinch, I think that's a very valuable tool to have, um, even if Dennis Smith Jr. still has never been able to find his footing in the NBA up until this point. But... But yeah, he's still only 24, 25 and still young. So I would still give a flyer on him. And then for number three, this is going to blow your mind. I'm going to go with Dante Exum (laughs) out of of overseas because he's currently playing. Australian Kobe. Yeah, Australian Kobe. He's playing for FC Barcelona in the EuroLeague. He's only 26 years old. I know he's only playing limited minutes, but he played pretty well for Australia in the Olympics. In six games, he averaged nine points, three assists, 56% from the field, 60% from three, hitting one a game. I know you can't trust these stats, but overall, I just like his length and his athleticism, um, which he's displayed in the EuroLeague and in the Olympics. And if you're going to trade THT away, he's not a bad prospect to have just in terms of, can you groom him to be a Sean Livingston? I think so. You know, a second second wind in his career. I would kind of like to see that. Um, but if we're adding the caveats of the player options and guys like Aaron Holiday, who you mentioned, he could become a restricted free agent if Phoenix offers him his qualifying offer. But if they rescind that, he could be part of this unrestricted free agency group. I also have him up here. And so if I add the caveats of guys with player options who might get bought out and all that, I probably have it. Number one, Eric Bledsoe. His connection with Darvin Ham goes without stating. They were both on the Milwaukee Bucks for two years during 2018 through 2020. And then I'd go number two, Aaron Holiday. And then number three, Goran Dragic. But in terms of unrestricted free agents right now, I'd go Goran, Dennis Smith Jr., Dante Exum, and then honorable mention Frank Nilakina, former number eight pick of the New York Knicks in 2017. He's 6'4 with a 7'1 wingspan, plays for the Dallas Mavericks, got some spot minutes in the playoffs with them. But overall, you just like Nilakina's size and those long arms of his who you yeah. can groom. You can groom him into an extra defender, on-ball defender, and hound that you can just sort of sick on primary initiator. So honorable mention, Frank Nilakina. Now, if we move on to the shooting guard slash smaller scoring guards crop, guys who highlight the unrestricted free agency list in this section are... Victor Oladipo, 30 years old, though given the flashes he showed in the playoffs and 
Bobby Mark's latest projections. He's probably a mini MLE guy at this point. I just personally still view Oladipo as a minimum guy if the Lakers in particular were to take a flyer on him. So yeah, I guess you could asterisk Victor Oladipo, but I'll still put him in this section. Then we've got Bryn Forbes, 28 years old. He's probably a more realistic veteran minimum target at this point than Oladipo. And he also has that Darvin Ham connection when he played for the Bucks in 2020-21. And then we've got Lou Williams, 35 years old, also a former ex-Laker. Although Lou Williams may retire this season, we're not sure. He has hinted at the possibility of that in the past, but we'll have to see. And then continuing the theme of former ex-Lakers, we've also got Wesley Matthews, 35 years old. Uh, Wesley Matthews obviously played with the Milwaukee Bucks and Darvin Ham this past year. He played really well for them, played outstanding defense in the playoffs. We wish the Lakers had re-signed him towards the end of their bench last year instead of a one-dimensional guy like Wayne Ellington. Yes. I don't think Wesley Matthews is seeking a reunion with the Lakers anytime soon after the topsy-turvy year he had under Frank Vogel, and that's even with Darvin Ham now in tow as the head coach. But, but yeah, I'm just including him in this list as due diligence. And then outside of Wesley Matthews, we have former ex-Laker Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore is going to be 29 years old this upcoming season. He actually had a pretty decent year with the Portland Trailblazers, although it was a lost season for the Blazers. He averaged 10 points, 82% from the free throw line, hit 2.43s a game. Granted, it was only 36% from three. But yeah, there's Ben McLemore, and you can make an argument too that the Lakers probably should have just re-signed him instead of Wayne Ellington last year. Even though Wayne Ellington is the more prolific three-point shooter, Ben McLemore gives you better athleticism and just gives you that younger youth upside, right? So um, so there's former ex-Lakers Wesley Matthews and Ben McLemore. And then a guy with a player option who could become an unrestricted free agent if he opts out of that player option would be Another former ex-Laker, Svima Kailuk, 24 years old. And then lastly, the Philadelphia 76ers will also have a club option on scoring guard Shake Milton, who will be 25 years old. So out of this shooting guard crop, Tommy, who's tops for you? Tops for me is, I think, honestly, probably Svee. Um, wow, because okay. I, I like the, you know, I, I know I've talked a lot about, like, we need to get dynamic guys who could do multiple things, but... I don't think Svee is a bad defender. In fact, like one of the main reasons we drafted him, if people recall, like uh, when he was coming out of Kansas was in the March Madness tournament with Kansas, he showed like a lot of defensive upside, particularly playing above his size. Um, He does have the T-Rex arms or whatever. Yeah, a minus two from his height of like six, seven, six, eight. (laughs) Exactly. So that's a little concerning. But the fact that he has pretty good size at six, seven-ish can really hit the three, like a a really, really good clip. Seems like a good guy and has familiarity with the organization. As a vet man, I would, like, I view him certainly like way above what we did with Wayne Ellington this past year in terms of a guy who could come in and, and maybe give you more bang for your buck. Now, I won't, that, that's really the only guy that sort of really intrigues me on, on the list. Um, Victor Oladipo always, because I was so high on him when, even back when he was getting drafted out of, out of Indiana, I've always been a Victor Oladipo fan. I just don't think it's worth you know, the potential injury risk again, even though it's just the vet men, you know, I don't know. You theoretically, you could wave it. I get wave them, I guess if he gets hurt again, but it's just, I don't want to go down that road again and, and put a lot of stock into this guy is theoretically going to play a big role on this team and he's taking up a roster spot. And then, 
you know, you feel like it's justified for the vet men and then he ends up not panning out and it's a mess. Um, so I would stay away. Yeah. Uh, number one for me would be Victor Oladipo. <laughs> Just because <laughs> of the upside for vet, vet men, I don't think you can, there's much risk there. And especially if you ship out a guy like THT, I think you want to mine for upside anywhere you can find it. And as it pertains to Victor Oladipo, he actually showed some very impressive defensive stints in the playoffs. So True. offense notwithstanding, Oladipo was very impressive in very crucial moments of the playoffs and really was that defensive spark plug for them, which is crazy to say. But again, Victor Oladipo is likely not going to go for the veteran minimum unless Darvin Ham pulls a rabbit out of his hat and is able to coerce Victor Oladipo for signing for that little. So I guess I agree with you on not taking a shot on Victor Oladipo for the mini MLE, which is probably going to be his current price rate. But if he's willing to take the veteran minimum, I would definitely take a gamble on Victor Oladipo at this point, given the flashes that we have seen. You just have to hope that he'll stay healthy over the course of a full 82 regular season and not just, you know, the 20-25 games or so that he played towards the end of the season into the playoffs. Um, And then number two for me, I think I'd go Bryn Forbes, 28 years old. I know he's undersized. I know he doesn't play any defense, but he is a career 41% three-point shooter. He shot 41% with the Denver Nuggets this past season, hitting 1.7 a game. He's had multiple seasons with the Spurs and even the Milwaukee Bucks where he shot above 40% from three-point land, hitting around two threes a game. I just think he would be a knockdown shooter for us and could even hit the pull-up mid-range jump shot. Um, So I guess for number two, I'd sort of make it a tie between Bryn Forbes and former ex-Laker Ben McLemore. This is at the end of the bench, right? In terms of scoring punch, some athleticism, I think Ben McLemore could bring that to us. Um, He's not as proficient a shooter or as accurate a shooter as Bryn Forbes. He only shot 36% with Portland and 36% with the Lakers uh, a year ago. But I do like his ability to run out into transition, his ability to catch lobs, throw it down, attack closeouts, and show off that athleticism of his a little bit. So I'm going to cheat a little bit and say for number two, Bryn Forbes slash Ben McLemore. And then number three, Mason Jones. There's a dark horse for you. Uh, The Lakers own Mason Jones. Uh, I like the little glimpses that he showed for the Lakers towards the end of the season uh, in the few stints that he got. He's like mini Dion Waiters 2.0 and obviously killed it in the G League. Uh, So yeah, I'd like the Lakers to continue to develop Mason Jones, even if it's just in a two-way contract capacity. Now, if I'm taking into account all of the different option caveats in this shooting guard crop, I think I'd go Victor Oladipo number one, Svima Kailu number two, if he opts out of his player option, like you mentioned. And then three, maybe I'd give a shot to Shake Milton if uh, Philly doesn't exercise their club option on him just because he's still young. Maybe there's still some upside there. Um, But outside of that, in terms of G League and overseas slash out of league fines, I hope we invite a guy like Zaire Smith, who's only 22 years old, to our uh, summer league because he's the former number 16 pick of the Sixers in the 2018 draft. Obviously, that didn't work out well for them because they traded Mikkel Bridges for him. And Zaire Smith has suffered a bunch of really weird injuries, including like a peanut allergy that almost killed him. He's been battling back from a severe knee injury, which happened in his sophomore season. But it seems like he's going to be ready for summer league, according to him. So in terms of just a camp invite that, I, that I'd like to see, I'd like to see Zaire Smith because he can really jump out of the gym. He can shoot threes. He was sort of profiled as this smaller Zach Levine-ish type player, kind of like Malik Monk as well. But his defensive potential is there if he can recover from his injury. 
and whatever setbacks he's experienced in his very young NBA career. I mean, he's only 22, but if we're talking about mining for upside, I don't think there's a better guy to do that with than Zaire Smith. So invite him to Summer League, Lakers, but otherwise, that's the shooting guard crap. Um, crap. We'll take it to... What, did I say crap? Yeah. That is the shooting guard crop that is crap, is what I meant to say. But at the end of the day, these are all veteran minimums, so how crappy can they be? Actually, from last year, we soon realized that it can be very crappy even still. <laughs> With that said, we will take it to break, and when we return, we will close out the wings and the big section of the veteran minimum crop. Not crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are back. Tommy, let's talk about three and D-ish wings in the vet min section. So guys around 6'6 six, six to 6'9. Six, uh, highlighting this group in unrestricted free agency are Rodney Hood, 30 years old, Rodney McGruder, 30, Danwell House, 29, Josh Jackson, 25, former number four pick in the 2017 draft, Jarrett Culver, 23, former number six pick in the 2019 draft, P.J. Dozier, 25, 6'6", 6'11", wingspan, played with the Denver Nuggets, played well for the Denver Nuggets even in the playoffs and also against the Lakers during the bubble season. He suffered a torn ACL in November last year, so he should be well recovered from that by the start of this upcoming season, but, you know, still a risk. But P.J. Dozier's on this list. And then Justin Anderson, 28, he was named first-team All-G League in 2022, this past season, Averaging 28 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 39% from 3, hitting 4 a game. He also played a few games with the Pacers and had some solid outings. I think he had like 2 18-point games and some other double-digit sprinklings in there. But he has been killing it in the G League and obviously was a former first-round pick of the Dallas Mavericks. Kenrich Williams is in this list if Oklahoma City waives him because he does have a non-guaranteed contract. But since it's only $2 million, they'll probably just guarantee that contract and use him in a trade if they... Um, need to, but he's on this list. Guys like O'Shea Brissett and Hamadou Diallo, their teams have club options on them, so they could enter unrestricted free agency if those clubs and those teams rescind their options. And then lastly, in restricted free agency, the Chicago Bulls can make Troy Brown Jr. an unrestricted free agent if they rescind their qualifying offer, and the Milwaukee Bucks can make Jordan Nuora an unrestricted free agent if they rescind his qualifying offer. So out of this crop of barren 3 and D-ish wings, who would be at your top? I think at my top, I would probably... Okay, this is like maybe going to sound extreme because this guy is... Uh... <laughs> okay, he hasn't been in the league for a while. But Justin Anderson, we... Back in the day, it's crazy this dude is 28 already. But back in the day, we were super hyped on him. I don't know if you remember I when very, he was coming yeah, out. Yeah, I do. We, yeah, I think yeah. we were at some. I think we were at your house or Victor's. No, we were at yes. your place uh, watching the yeah, draft, yeah, yeah. and we're like, "Get yeah, Justin Anderson." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was coming out of Virginia. Obviously, those teams that had like insane defense, and he shot like an absurd percentage from three, and. You know, he went to Dallas and just never really panned out. But I've always wondered, like, when is this dude going to finally get it? And the one thing I like about him is I think a lot of these guys that you can get as a vet men um, in the 3 and D-ish wing category, they can definitely give you, like, the they have the defensive upside. But guys like Josh Jackson, guys like Jarrett Culver, I don't know that they've shown consistently really that they can hit a shot, yeah. um, which is potentially problematic. It, you know, Justin Anderson, 
Yes, it's been in G League, um, but he has at least proven he can hit a shot. He has a little bit more experience. So I like him. Maybe maybe I'll swap him to number two, and this guy is my number one. I think Hamadou Diallo I also really like. Um, I think Hamadou Diallo has, has, you know, sort of... He's athletic, he's young, and he has shown some flashes over the last few years, and I think has the potential to show more. Um, I think those are really my only two. I don't know that I can... Um, do a third and you know, I guess like we're not supposed to talk about the guy maybe that I would do third and that's Bruno Caboclo. <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> uh, Damn, that but, was good. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about Bruno Caboclo. I think he, he's yeah. playing for Brazil last season. So the only thing about him, right. That is intriguing to me is I think Masai is like, I mean, he was a Raptors pick, right? Bruno. Yeah. In the first round. Um, He's obviously got the measurables, which he always had, even when he was taken where, you know, I think he was absurdly, he was taken on like the high in the free. He might've been a lot of big even, but you know, he, he was taken way higher than most analysts expected. The main thing that intrigues me about him is I think Masai is one of the most competent general managers in the league. Um, he's not a scout, but if he was willing to take a shot on Bruno, it leads me to believe he must have seen something. And maybe Bruno was just that far off that the development just never happened in the time that everybody expected. But the fact that he's still going strong and still playing, and you know, you mentioned he's playing in Brazil. And, and you know, if he has developed a little bit, I would definitely give him a shot. Because guys with who are 6'9 with a 7'7 wingspan, I mean, you can't just, you can't find them anywhere, you know. How long did you practice that Bruno? We don't talk about Bruno bit. That was very good, by the way. <laughs> it just came to me. No, I think you were in your mirror like for three hours talking about, we don't talk <laughs> about Bruno. <laughs> um, no, I, I like Bruno too, just for the upside. If anything, invite him to Summer League, right? 7-7. Seven, seven. It's funny. You always hear about guys with like 7-5, seven, 7-6, seven, but for whatever reason, I've never heard of a guy with 7-7 seven, seven wingspan. It's just that weird, odd number that you're like, huh? I've never heard of that before, but I think Bruno Caboclo is finally maybe past his three years away from being two years away from being ready to play in the NBA <laughs> marker. Maybe. We'll see. Just invite him to training camp is my thing. The dude averaged 17 points, 8 rebounds, 1.7 blocks, 36% from three with Brazil last season, so he's clearly not slouching it overseas. Time to bring him back to the NBA to see if he's learned anything overseas. So, um, But yeah, as it pertains to my actual list, I think it's going to surprise you, but... Number one, and there's caveats involved to this, but I'd actually have PJ Dozier, number one. Okay. Obviously with the caveat that he's fully recovered, which I think he should be, but he is a dude who's like perfectly balanced in terms of a guy with upside, but also some experience playing on a, on a competitive team and who actually had a role on that team. He's a guy who, I don't know, he can play make a little bit. He can play defense. He has a 6'11 wingspan, good size at 6'6". He hasn't really shown the ability to be a knockdown three-point shooter, but none of these guys have. But I just like the fact that he played for a great organization like the Denver Nuggets, and they were using him in the playoffs against us, you know? And we actually had him. I think we signed him to a summer league contract as well and even had him in our G League team way earlier on. And so he's only 25 oh, yeah. years old, and I think he's a good way to sort of you know, regain and mine some upside and get him in your farm system and... You know, bank on 
not bank on a terrible injury, but sort of recoup that. I mean, the only reason why the Denver Nuggets traded him to the Celtics and then he got waived is because of this injury. But if he's fully recovered and guys have shown these days that they can come back at full strength from ACL injuries, I mean, Zach Levine showed that, I think he's a worthy gamble at this point at 25 years old. So I would give PJ Dozier um, a shot. And then number two, I'd probably go Daniel House here just because he is a reliable NBA wing who has played in playoff games, six foot seven, six foot eight wingspan. He can really hit threes, shot 41% with the Utah Jazz this past year. He's just a solid, reliable option at this point. Uh, number three, I'd probably go kind of like you mentioned, Justin Anderson to see if there the upside is there finally, and he's rounded out his offensive game, being able to hit threes. So I'd give Justin Anderson a shot. Um Two additional names that I didn't mention when I was listing out guys at the top that I'm also very intrigued by and who are becoming high risers in my own list of wings to look out for that I think the Lakers should take a flyer on would be former number 20 pick of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Josh Akogi. I think he could be that lockdown defender we're looking for. You're not going to get anything out of him offensively. He can't really shoot threes, but what he can do is use his length, his seven-foot wingspan, and his you know, hefty, girthy, strong body to really be a hound on defense. So there's Josh Akogi. Uh, there's also Abdel Nader, 28 years old. He's not like a hot, sexy name, but he has been a very, very solid option on teams like the Phoenix Suns. He played very well for the OKC Thunder, showed the ability to shoot three-pointers. Sneakily athletic, but overall is just a solid guy who can play make for you in a pinch, handle the ball, but also play some very solid team defense for you. Really, really good size at six foot five with a seven foot one wingspan. He was the 58th pick in the 2016 draft, last played with Phoenix last season, was cut after the first 14 games, but he's a guy that I really like, Abdel Nader. And then I'll also add Troy Brown Jr. here if the Bulls rescind his qualifying offer, just because I really like Troy Brown Jr.'s upside as well. I think he's only, how old is he? He's only 23 years old. He was a lotto pick of the Wizards, and I'd almost describe him as sort of like a, you know, a very lower end version of Andre Iguodala. He has good length. He plays defense. His main thing is playmaking. I guess the lower end version of him is like Evan Turner. So that's not great, but he's like a versatile guy who you can maybe mold into a defender. So there's Troy Brown Jr. If the Bulls rescind his qualifying offer. And also I'd put O'Shea Brissett top of everybody if uh, the Pacers don't use their club option on him. All right. So Tommy has to go pretty soon. So we're going to sprint through the big section So Tommy, I'm just going to list out some names and you just tell me who you're intrigued by or if anybody stands out to you. I'm going to put the power forwards and tweeners and the centers together. All right, so in the power forwards, tweener, bigs category, in the unrestricted free agents category, we have guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, who's going to be 37, Thaddeus Young, if he takes the veteran minimum exception, although he could also potentially be a mini MLE guy, he's going to be 34, James Johnson, 35, Nemanja Bialica, 34, Former Laker Markeith Morris, 34. And I'll also add just former lottery pick Jabari Parker, 27 years old. (laughs) These guys are partially slash non-guaranteed contracts and could become unrestricted free agents if they're waived. Juancho Hernan Gomez of the Utah Jazz at 26. I think he's going to be 27 next year. Danilo Gallinari, 34 years old. He has guaranteed $5 million of a $21 million contract. Needs to be waived before June 29th. So the Hawks may actually waive him and make him an unrestricted free agent. Then there's former Laker Mo Wagner, who's 25. Um, And then there's also Chemezi Metu, who's 25 years old of the Sacramento Kings. 
Guys who have club options and could become unrestricted free agents if their team doesn't pick up that option are Trey Lyles, 26. He got traded to the Sacramento Kings. Jalen McDaniels, 24 years old of the Charlotte Hornets. He's a guy that really intrigues me because of his length, brother of uh, Jaden McDaniels on the Timberwolves. And then Nas Reed, 22 years old on the Timberwolves as well. He's sort of a 6'9 guy who can space the floor a little bit. Very sturdy, built, power forward. So those are the guys in the tweener bigs category. Uh, Moving on to the center traditional bigs. Guys highlighting this list include Damian Jones, 26 years old. Isaiah Hardenstein, 23 years old. Hassan Whiteside, 32 years old. Gorgie Dang, 32. DeMarcus Cousins, 32. Andre Drummond, 29. Robin Lopez, 34. Bismack Biombo, 30. Frank Kaminsky, 28. Now, Isaiah Hardenstein may go for the BAE or the mini MLE, but I'll also include him in this veteran minimum category. Same with some of these guys. Maybe Damian Jones gets more than the minimum. We'll see. Um, And then we have a guy like Tony Bradley of the Chicago Bulls who has a player option. He could be an interesting prospect because he's only 24 years old. He's 6'10 with a 7'4 wingspan. He's a little plodding though and can't space the floor, but if you're looking for a break-in-case-of-emergency type big off the bench who's young and still has a little bit of juice, Tony Bradley could be an option. And then guys like Moses Brown, he signed on late with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's a guy that I wanted the Lakers to pick up after the trade deadline. He's only 22 years old. He's 7'2 with a 7'4 wingspan. If the Cleveland Cavaliers rescind their qualifying offer from him, he could become an unrestricted free agent. And at that point, I would definitely give him a shot at the back end of our roster. But yeah, those are the guys filling out the traditional center big spot who are about 6'10 to 7'2. To streamline things a little bit because Tommy has to go, Tommy, why don't you give me a list of names who stand out to you out of both the power forwards crop and the centers crop that I just listed out? A couple guys that stand out to me, Danilo Gallinari. I don't know that we really have a realistic shot of getting him for the Vedman, but he is a sol- if you can get that guy for the vetman, I think that's the prototypical. He's toward- towards the end of his career, solid player. Um, has some weaknesses, but that's why he's a vetman player. Um, so I would I would look at him for sure. Uh, I don't think we have a shot at Robin Lopez, or else I always like Robin Lopez. Um, I guess because of like what he showed in limited minutes this year, I'm kind of intrigued by Bismack Biombo. It's like an athletic big who we could potentially bring in and see what he can give us um, next to AD. You don't like Damian Jones? Okay, so you gave your picks. I think for me, I'm very, very interested in Jalen McDaniels and the upside he provides. He's a six foot ten guy with a seven foot one wingspan, and he just is very toolsy. And he's slight in frame right now, but I think he could serve as both a wing defender and a you know, power forward tweener defender, and he does have some potential to space. So I would definitely look at Jalen McDaniels. And then I've always been fascinated by Juancho Hernan Gomez and him being able to be that three point shooting threat at the four position. I think he provides more defensive versatility than a guy like obviously Carmelo Anthony, although that's not saying much, at least foot speed wise (laughs) on the perimeter. And then obviously we've said this guy's name a lot, but Utah Watanabe would be a worthy gamble as this sort of hustle dude at the tweener spot who can space the floor for you has pretty good length i know he got dunked on by anthony edwards and that's the highlight of his career thus far but i think he can be a very serviceable role player who can also provide some versatility just because he can sort of do everything and and yeah uh, we like utah watanabe but if we're talking about veterans you can 
probably use some veterans. I know the Lakers have some PTSD from last year, but yeah. number one would be Thaddeus Young if he'd take the veteran minimum. And then number two, I know a lot of Nets fans hate this guy and wanted him waived, and he ended up getting waived. But I'd still maybe take a look at James Johnson because yeah. he's a guy who can play small ball five for you and handle the ball, play pretty good defense. He's very strong and can pass a little bit. So I just like his versatility at the power forward spot. And he also, he's like a black belt in karate or whatever. So number two, James Johnson. And then number three, I'd maybe give a look at LaMarcus Aldridge um, because he was deadly for mid-range from the Nets. He still provides great size. His foot speed is probably not there at this point. He's very flat-footed. And, you know, there were times in the playoffs where he was pretty much unusable. But I would still give LaMarcus Aldridge a shot in terms of vet guys in this section. And then centers, I'd put Isaiah Hardenstein at the top. And I'm never going to let this die. He played very well for the Clippers, as I imagined he would. I wanted the Lakers to pick him up last offseason. He is a dude who's legit six foot 11, seven foot, who can kind of do it all. He started shooting threes a little bit more towards the end of the season with the Clippers and actually hit a couple. He can pass the ball, kind of like a very, very, very poor man's version of Nikola Jokic. But he's actually pretty agile. But most of all, I'm intrigued by his length and the versatility he can provide passing-wise as a big and... He is a deterrent in the paint as well because of that length. Um, so Isaiah Hardenstein, number one. Number two, Damian Jones, for all the reasons you know, because he was an ex-Laker yeah. for a short period of time. Very good lob threat. Has really good length as well. Still young. Did some decent things with the Sacramento Kings and started for them in a pinch um, last year as well. So Damian Jones, number two. And then number three, maybe we give it to one of the... Um, spacier big veteran options like Serge Ibaka or DeMarcus Cousins. I would love to have DeMarcus Cousins back. He showed some stuff with the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs as well that he can still bang down low in the post if need be. He can still shoot threes in a pinch and he's a good locker room guy. So I wouldn't mind having DeMarcus Cousins back. You know, out of all this list of vet minimum guys that we've had, who would you put number one? Out of this entire list, I'd probably put... Um, I probably put Hamadou Diablo, 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 Diallo, just because of the wing needs. Honestly, nothing else other than that. I like that you keep pronouncing it Ham Hamadou. <laughs> what is it? I think it's Hamadou, but you you yeah. like to go Ham Hamadou, Darvin Hamadou Diallo. But yeah, exactly in this list overall, I'd probably still go number one, Isaiah Hardenstein. Hardenstein, just because I think he has the more mature game out of anyone and i know we're at a bigger position of need at the wing spot and you'd probably think that i'd want to put someone at that position number one but i'd have hardenstein number one i'd have thaddeus young number two if he takes the veteran minimum option just because he can be such a dynamic versatile player for us at the forward spot or the small ball five spot if we end up playing that way again just because he can do so much he can rebound the ball he can pass he can strip the ball he can handle the ball in transition you know he can hit a three here and there so I really like Thaddeus Young and obviously he gives you all of that veteran leadership and regardless of the PTSD that we had from last year you will still need veterans on a championship contending team and he's one guy that I would go out of the way to sign provided that we fill out the rest of the roster obviously with young upside dudes and then number three Here's where I put the P.J. Dozier, Troy Brown Jr. sort of young wing guy to take a flyer or chance on. And I think I'd also put Daniel House in here because he's sort of a more established 3 and D wing sort of player, even though he's already 29 years old. He has shown the ability to 
play in competitive games, hit threes, and he's 6'7", and he still has length. So yeah, my top three overall would probably be Isaiah Hardenstein, Thaddeus Young, and then the Troy Brown Jr., P.J. Dozier, Daniel House crop. But you know, with veteran minimums, you can have multiple guys at veteran minimums if they're willing to take that, and the Lakers will need to sign about six or seven of these guys. So if we're able to add any of the following dudes, I would also include Jalen McDaniels, O'Shea Brissett, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Utah Watanabe, Goran Dragic, and Victor Oladipo. A lot of these guys come with caveats. As, as I mentioned before, some of them have club options. Some of them could be restricted free agents. But if they're all unrestricted free agents, those are the names that I would look out for that I think pique my interest and in, could flourish under the Lakers and Phil Handy if he's still part of the staff. But yeah, with that said, that'll do it for our very early look at the free agent market at the veteran minimum spot. Tommy has to go. So Tommy, thank you for your time. We will expound on a lot of these names as we get closer and closer to actual free agency. Um, and I'm sure a lot of these things will be updated based off of the actual market value of these guys once we find out more about what they'll actually command. But yeah, with that said, Tommy, thank you for your time. I will catch you later. Peace. Later. Later.